Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with your hosts, Jake and Randy, discussing all things freestyle frisbee and whatever else that comes up. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hey, Jake, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. So I uh, hear you went off the grid this weekend. Yeah, I did. I went up uh, up into the mountains and had to do a little a little nature hit and uh, just sort of unplug. I think that's a really healthy thing to do, especially in this digitized world that we're living in. So, yep, had a great time, and now I'm back. And uh, I actually hear that you've been doing some unique training on your own. Could you express or could you flesh that out a little bit for unique me? Unique training. I like how you put it. What, I, what I've been calling it is spin practice, and it was inspired by Ryan Young, of course. But basically, so I'm cooking dinner and I'm waiting for things to happen. The timer's on. And so what I do is I spin back and forth in the kitchen. So I do a, I have an invisible Frisbee that I'm delaying and I'll set it up on my right hand. And then uh, depending on which direction I'm going, I'm either spotting a box of lentils that are that's on top of the cupboard in the kitchen or going the other direction, I'm spotting a lamp that's up on the ceiling and I set right hand and I spin one direction four times and then I set left hand and spin back the other direction four times and I do it until I'm so dizzy that I can't stand up. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. So it's the lamp lentil practice the lamp, uh, procedure. Exactly, the lamp lentil spin practice procedure. <laughs> <laughs> and is it, is it being effective? Is it working? Is it helping you? Yes, actually, I feel like I'm spinning faster in the jam now because of it so i think it is helping me um hopefully i'll be hitting a few more doubles because usually i'm like a kind of a one and a half spinner in competition maybe i'll hit a double we'll see i think you're well on your way there uh, mr g so i'm really excited about our guest today it's a really kind of a unique situation for you and i because this is somebody who we have never met and uh, they're kind of a, a mysterious person out there in the jammer lore, a person who is one of the great, greatest players to come out of the UK, winner of Whiff Diff 1989 freestyle title. And uh, I'm just super excited to get to learn more about this person's journey. So with that, I would like to welcome in Con Cummins. Welcome to Shooting the Frisbees, Con. Hey, guys. How are you, Jake? How are you, Randy? Uh, we're great, and we're super excited to have you here. Thanks a lot for um, putting the podcast together. You're welcome. So with that, why don't we just jump right in? So uh, I want to ask you, where did it all start? How did Frisbee come into your life? Well, look, in 78, um, 1978, I was um, 13, little kids sitting on the floor, uh, watching the TV, a Saturday morning show. And um, who did I see but Jens and Erwin Velasquez doing their their English stint of the um the tour they were on a world tour and they appeared on this tv show and started doing a little bit of freestyle um and i remember distinctly seeing seeing jen's uh crouching down on the floor and delaying the disc and then popping it up into a chess roll and uh i thought wow that's really cool um i gotta say when i came to uh frisbee i'd already got some sort of skills doing uh magic tricks and dancing and doing tricks with canes and stuff because um well my my grandfather was a uh was one of the founder members of the magic circle which is like a group of magicians and i came from a bit of a show family so um 
so my father had taught me magic tricks from an early age and I've sort of learned how to twiddle canes and do all kinds of uh, funny little tricks and whatever. And then when I saw James, <laughs> I thought, this is just awesome. I must get into this. And I went out immediately and bought a blue knockoff disc and started, started playing with that. But funnily enough, a couple of days later, uh, I was walking through the park, uh, Holland Park in London, and um, I saw two guys uh, playing prisoners, a guy named Nick Charlotte and Steve Harrell, who were um, members of a team called the Ali Pali Tossers, APT for short. And they started off in Alexandra Palace as a, um, uh, like an ultimate team. Um, it, they had like a lot of sort of overall players within that team. Anyway, there was these two guys throwing, um, throwing the disc back and forth across the, the length of the lawn. When it came to Nick, he did almost exactly the same move. It was like a squatting uh, nail delay. And, uh, and I thought, right, these are the guys i got to talk to. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, I, uh, uh, the disc, actually, the disc went down. I think Steve threw it, and it went down this little gully, which was um, part of Holland House, which is a big old um, sort of mansion in Holland Park. And I, I jumped down the gully, got the disc up, and brought it up to Nick. And he went, oh, yeah, you're hip. And I thought, right, cool, I'm in. And they they invited me off to uh, Hyde Park, a nice big park there with a big uh, pond in it and ducks and geese and all that sort of thing. That's where they practiced their ultimate frisbee, so I, I joined their team. So the beginning of your journey was an ultimate beginning. Not really, no. It was more, you see, the, the Ali Pali Tossers were essentially a bunch of freestylers. Okay. Um, but they played ultimate. I mean, we sort of like to think of ourselves the Harlem Globetrotters of the ultimate world. Ah, <laughs> nice. Because, you know, a lot of the throws were like arcing throws, you know, upside down throws, behind the back throws to fake people out, um, you know, weird little pivots and you know, triple fake uh, sidearm kind of throws to to trick the um, the opposition. So it was all built around kind of tricks. <laughs> um, we won a few games. Um, they're they're quite a successful team, the Ali Pali Tossers. So so wait a second. So you guys were doing these trick throws and catches in ultimate games? Is that? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh my god, that's fabulous. Yeah, uh -huh. not all the time, but enough that it would be really annoying to the opposing team. <laughs> 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 and we would turn up every once in a while in like grass skirts and Hawaiian t-shirts and that sort of thing. It sort of didn't take itself that seriously. It was, uh, it was good. It was a fun team. The Alley Pally Tossers. I love that. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I must mention as well, there's a guy, Les Bryant, who um, was, I'd, I'd say he was probably uh, England's best overall player. Um, he did, you know, MTA and distance and all those things and Frisbee golf and all that sort of stuff. So he was, um, he was a very, uh, sort of big figure in the Frisbee world and he was part of the Ali Pali Tossers as well. Wow. And there was, uh, Roger Galton. Yeah. A few other guys. And there would always be um, Americans coming in and shedding light on new sort of Frisbee techniques and stuff like that. It sounds like it was a lot of throw and catch. So was the delay being utilized at that time or was that somewhere down the road? Oh, uh, yeah. No, the delay was the delay was well and truly um, there. People were delaying. I think, yeah, it must have been. High, no, yeah, that's right. In, in Holland Park, when I first met Nick, he was already delaying. I think Les Bryant was the first person I saw put on false nails. You know, they were the kind of cheap ones that you get from the chemist 
um, type nails, not the things that you see today, but he'd sort of double layer these nails and then stick them on, start working on rim delays, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So people were exploring nail delays and false nails by the time I'd I'd sort of joined the, the scene. Was Hyde Park where it really kind of began for you, or is it Holland Park where you spent most of your time? Well, Holland Park is where I first encountered uh, anybody in England playing Frisbee. Um, I spent a lot of time in Hyde Park, but when I met Adrian, Adrian Wainwright, it was in Hyde Park, and because we both knew Holland Park and we were really into freestyle, we, um, we decided to meet up there, and that's where... I mean, I spent the best part of 20 years of my youth in Holland Park. Wow. Yeah. And like every day, all day, playing um, Frisbee and then later on martial arts and stuff. We would spend a lot of time in the park. Yeah, we'd practice, um, you know, no less than six hours a day and and usually more than that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you mentioned martial arts. So I know that that was a big part of your life as well as rhythmic gymnastics. So did that have a big influence on your game and yeah it did it did i mean that didn't really come into the picture till later on when i was about 17 i started getting into martial arts judo and taekwondo and all that sort of thing but i met a woman when i was 19 uh by the name of namara bradell who was a um uh, an arabic american woman actually who um taught tai chi and um she was amazing I, in all the time i'd known her I didn't really know what her body felt like. I tried to do things to her, like, you know, wrist locks or whatever, but she was very um, elusive and very good at counter, you know, counter attacking. So she had a very uh, incredible sensitivity and softness and would always put you in a compromising position. So anyway, I got really into uh, Tai Chi, uh, which was good uh, for a lot of things, for sensitivity training, um, but also slowing down your movements and getting like a, a very fine control, similar to what you were talking about, Jake. I think when you, you're in the kitchen and you're just practicing on your own slowly, you know, your spins, if you, um, if you spend a bit of time doing that, you get a finer you know, sense of your own body and your, you know, your movement. But anyway, so yes, uh, martial arts was, a, martial arts was a, a, a big part of my life and it um it slowly encroached on the frisbee over you know a, a sort of 10 year period where eventually i was putting more time into the martial arts than the than the frisbee where did the rhythmic gymnastics uh take place in your life and was that going on at the same time that was a lot later i mean I'll, first let me tell you about um because i made some notes here and i tried to get a sort of timeline together that in um, 79, there was a, an all-English um, championship, and that's where I met um, Gus Emerson and Laura Engel, and they were the first American players that I, I'd sort of ever seen, and I was 14 years old at that time. And they, were, again, were on a tour. I saw them play uh, at Richmond Athletic Ground where, uh, where the championship was going on. And, you know, Gus had that really cool, flowing Californian style with a bit of wind play and brushing and stuff and I thought oh this is this is really sweet and then Laura could do all kinds of um you know delay tricks rolling on the floor and um she was you know she was a lovely looking girl and I got very um you know very enamored with her <laughs> and the fact that you know there were girls playing frisbee as well it was kind of cool uh, but that championship I didn't enter people were saying oh you should enter but I didn't actually enter that championship 
But the next year I went to um, the same athletic ground, actually, and entered with um, Adrian Wainwright, but also met Jason Salke at that uh, event. As If my memory serves me well, Adrian went out to the States. He went to New York and played with a whole bunch of guys there in Washington Square Park. He, I think he met Jason there. And then Jason uh, used to go back and forth um, to England and America. And I met Jason at that championship. And then we, were, we decided we were going to play in the championship together at that time. And Jason was like a, a real shot of energy. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever met him, but he's, he's very energetic. He was like a huge muscular guy with this bright orange hair. <laughs> and everywhere he walked, he kind of bounced around. So he saw this bouncing hair. But he, uh, <laughs> he had a real kind of, um, you know, vibrancy to him and, um, and some really cool tricks. So it, it, was, uh, it was a joy to see someone with um, like a different, really different style, very kind of... Uh, you know, vibrant sort of uh, play, and um, and we we entered that that championship and we won, and it was a it was a European championship. It was a really different scene because we were we were in that in that time people were sort of doing their routines to um, you know disco music or you know summer breeze um, that sort of kind of uh, cool Californian type. Um, sounds and then we we entered the competition and um to like the sex pistols um i don't know if you're familiar with the the punk band the sex pistols but sure of course, it, of course. It, it is not summer breeze <laughs> like when we went out there it was very loud very raucous and uh, a complete sort of change to the uh, i don't really know how people took it but they seemed to like it so. they must have liked it if you guys won yeah, yeah, it was great, man. It was really good. It was a completely different vibe. And how old were you at that at that tournament? Uh, I think I was fifteen. Was fifteen years old. Wow. I mean, I've got a kid who is um, he's going to be turning thirteen soon, and I look at him and think, oh my god, when when I was your age, I would start playing frisbee, and it's sort of unimaginable to me. Right? It's yeah, amazing. you know, it's crazy. So how old were Jason and Adrian at that point? Do you know? Adrian, I think Adrian, he, uh, I think he's about 12 years older than I am. Oh, wow. Okay. And Jason is a little bit older than I am, but not quite as old as that. So Adrian was kind of like this older mentor figure in that, to you. Is that true? Adrian was a mentor figure. Um, Les was a mentor figure. Nick Charland was a mentor figure for me. Um, yeah, very strongly. Very strongly, even though they're sort of uh, on the opposing ends of the spectrum, but uh, they uh, were very much, um, yeah, influential in in my life for sure. And it's interesting to hear about Adrian because Adrian told me that you taught him how to delay. So you got is is that first off is that true? Did you teach Adrian how to delay? Now you think now I think of it, yeah, I must have. I must have taught him how to delay. Completely forgotten that, actually. Yeah. So that's interesting that you taught him how to delay, and then he ended up getting into it and sort of becoming a mentor. That's sort of an interesting circle of life right there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's true. I think I did. Uh, I can sort of remember now that that's what happened. That's why we went to Holland Park and spent a lot of time there uh, initially. And I think it took us probably three three weeks to a month or something to stop running around 
you know, and be able to hold the frisbee sort of in front of our in front of our bodies. Um, anyway, so uh, where were we? Uh, Nineteen eighty, you win your first tournament. Yeah, won our first tournament, and then the the next year again we'd spent more time playing with Jason uh, and had a, like a proper routine for the next year and that was really good we had like you know matching costumes and we'd had the music worked out it was actually there was a really cool thing that happened in the finals of that 81 championship so during everybody else's routine um it was quite a sunny day and then (laughs) as our time came up suddenly some dark clouds came and it started raining and you can imagine with this punk music and rain kind of coming down it was a little bit nightmarish um but there was a really cool thing i remember that happened where jason had um he'd thrown a disc upside down with his gorilla z's he's got like incredible uh, z's but he threw this disc upside down and it was raining and the disc hit the deck and just slid all the way across the grass. Adrian just sat down and you, I think you call it a figure four now. We used to call it like a turkey hole. But he, he sat down and he scooped the disc up in this figure four and then stood up on one leg. And as he stood up, I saw, because I was in the position to see the whole grandstands, about uh, 1,500 people there. And they would ju- all stood up the same time as him and started cheering. It was a complete, it was, uh, what do you call it, spontaneous <laughs> uh, moment for us. I, I'll remember that until the day I die. It was- uh, were there other tournaments besides the, that, that one that you went to those two times? Uh, yeah, look, there must have been European championships because Europeans turned up. Um, it was a scene in Scandinavia for sure. Um, you know, Sweden, Denmark, um, Finland. There was uh, Germany. There were competitions going on. Um, Italy. Don't can't remember any French players, but there was definitely people in Amsterdam for sure. So it was um, a little bit like what I hear is going on today, where there's you know quite a big scene in Europe. And we would only meet these guys, well, initially only meet them at championships. Uh, and, so, you know, sometimes we're friendly and sometimes we're a bit competition-y, but, you know, um, but that's when we would sort of meet them. Later on, uh, when I was living in a house with Nick Charland and Les Bryant, there used to be people coming through all the time, uh, like travellers coming through, um, like the Japanese frisbee team came and stayed for a night and then you get a couple of germans coming and staying for a night um it was that sort of you know those days sort of a bit like the frisbee family sort of thing people would go to different countries and you'd just be able to have a place to stay um so it was pretty uh you know it, it was a lot of action going on wow so that was really fun to listen to Khan. It's exciting for me because it's a history that I really was not aware of. Um, before 2003, I had met very few European freestylers, and I just didn't realize how big the European scene was, uh, even back when I started and even way before when I started. So that was pretty cool to hear. And it was also cool to hear how much the Jamily scene was around even back then. People are staying, you know, going cycling through his house, and uh, it's it's just really cool how a lot hasn't changed. How much is there yeah. that we didn't know about? Yeah, I agree. It's really I, I didn't realize it that there was the history was so rich. 
as well in Europe at that time. And, you know, I wasn't really around. That was kind of during that time that I had checked out, but uh, I didn't realize that there was just so much going on in so many tournaments and so many countries. Very cool to hear about, you know, that the house and people coming in to crash. And, you know, like you say, it, it hasn't changed and it's always been there. And, and we have some future episodes coming up with him and he'll expand on some more of the players in Europe and uh, some of the players who are inspirations to him. That being said, uh, we, Jake and I, are going to take a break for a couple months and uh, we'll be coming back with some fresh episodes in September. We are not disappearing. We want to focus on uh, EFO and FPA Worlds coming up in Ternava. So we will be live streaming EFO and doing live commentary for the whole event. Jake and I are not competing, so we'll be able to really focus on the commentary for EFO. Um, We'll do some limited commentary for FPA Worlds as we're going to have to balance out our competing schedules, but we're looking forward to kind of fitting some of that in. Uh, I know you're excited about that too, Jake. Yeah, totally. I mean, I almost wouldn't even frame it as taking a break. We may be releasing fewer episodes, but it's just so we can refocus our energy on other projects uh, related to Frisbee Guru. And uh, I'm really excited about the live stream because that's something that uh, we get a lot of traffic with. So I know we reach a lot more viewers with the live stream. So um, uh, I'm starting to do some new things with it, which um, you were mentioning the commentary. And I'm really excited about that because I think that'll uh, bring in more people who maybe don't understand freestyle. We'll be able to explain it to them as they're watching. Um, but the other thing that we just started doing was uh, syndicating the, the live stream uh, simultaneously on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Um, we did that with US Open and with the FICO tournament this last time. And we got a whole lot more traffic. Um, uh, the likes went up significantly on uh the Frisbee Guru page from the live stream. So I think we have an opportunity to engage a lot more people. Yes, I like that you say we're not taking a break. We we are just going to be engaged in a different way. And we also will do an episode uh, with Jakob Coastal and Dexter Strutz and get an update about what's going on for FPA Worlds in Ternava 2018. And we will, of course, be interviewing all the champs from FPA World. So we will have lots of good fresh episodes in September for you to enjoy freshly baked out of the oven. Freshly baked more with Khan. And then who else do we have on the docket? Oh, well, we have more from John Kirkland and more from Stork. We'll be uh, bringing some new stuff from Rick Castiglia and Kate Dow. Quite a few more surprises. So we're really looking forward to sharing all of that with you out there. So on that, Jake, I will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Shooting the Frisbees with Jake and Randy. To contact us or for more info, check us out at frisbeeguru.com. Hope to Haynesville. Shooting the Frisbees and live streaming freestyle Frisbee.